This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Progressive, The Jimmy Dore Show, Common Sense with Dan Carlin, Media Matters, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, and The Majority Report with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from Countdown. Congratulations to the Occupy Wall Street protesters. They've got the right target, that's for sure. It's the banks on Wall Street that brought our entire economy down, and they haven't had to pay a nickel for it, nor have their executives been charged with any crime, much less gone to jail. I also admire the tactics and the courage of these protesters. They've been demonstrating in the streets, which is where we need to be, and they've stood up to disgusting police brutality and have broadcast it via YouTube to the whole world. It's more true now than ever that the whole world is watching, as some of the protesters chanted, though the corporate media sure ignore it. Protests like this, and like the one that 350.org held at the White House a few weeks ago over the tar sands pipeline, are a healthy sign that people are finally rising up. We saw such a sign in Madison, Wisconsin in February and March, and we're going to see another sign next week in Washington, D.C., as people engage in more civil disobedience to protest the 10th anniversary of the Afghan War. People can only take so much, and this rising up, tardy as it is, is a welcome sight. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. Okay, so I wanted to cover this story. So I, I teased it at the top of the show about the, the Wall Street protest, Occupy Wall Street. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, they were macing uh, people. Yeah. The cops were macing people and basically just beating the crap out of them, right? Because they don't like them because they're uh, because they're uh, cops who vote against their own interests and they're, they're anti-union probably, vote for Republicans who want to break the union. So they're that, those kind of people, right? So here are these people. Uh, lining up, protesting Wall Street, the people who want to, uh, you know, crush the unions, want to crush public sector jobs, privatize everything, and the people who they're trying to crush uh, are actually beating up the protesters. So uh, it's kind of... Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get on... We, we should give the Wall Street people some credit, because when they were looking down from the balconies on that macing happening, they... they you know, they dug deep into their souls and they said, hey, you know what? I got to buy some more stock in Mace. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff's selling like hotcakes and it's very effective. So there's been, there's been almost zero coverage of it until there was there was a, a 80 arrests. I understand there was 80 arrests on Saturday uh, this because the cops just decided to go be pricks and uh, start arresting people indiscriminately, which happened a lot. And uh, none of them will be, I, I, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell has done a big thing about it. But yeah. the, in the mainstream media, it wasn't covered. They did cover. Here's how it was covered. So I, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to see how Brian Williams was going to handle it. And here's a 30-second report for Brian. 
Age over this kind of thing, along with the growing income disparity, is spilling into the streets here in New York. The arrest of 80 people in one day over this past weekend got the attention of a lot of people. It was part of a protest that's been going on for a while, aimed at shutting down Wall Street and getting attention for the protesters' message. NBC's Ron Allen is in Lower Manhattan for us tonight. Ron, good evening. Good evening to you, Brian. Yes, we're uh, just a couple of blocks from Wall Street in that direction, a couple of blocks from the financial centers over there as well. And they're calling this an occupation of the financial district. There are several hundred people here. The police have the area surrounded. The problem is that the protesters want to move beyond here and walk out into the streets. That's what happened this weekend when so many people were arrested, charged with disorderly conduct and disturbing the peace. The police said that they did not have a permit to lawfully march beyond this park, and that's the problem now. That's why there's a standoff. The protesters charge that the police use excessive force. The police say that anyone who resists arrest can expect to encounter some level of force, but nothing excessive. Here again tonight, there are a couple of hundred protesters who have moved beyond this park and who are out near the New York Stock Exchange and near Wall Street. So far, we understand everything is peaceful, and the police are escorting the protesters along. All this back and forth could go on for some time because the protesters insist they are not going to leave this area until they're forced to go. Brian? Right, Ron Allen in Lower Manhattan. Ron, thanks. Okay, so that's the whole report. And uh, so what did I what did I learn about the protest? I learned almost zero what's happening down there. They did almost a full minute on the news about it. I know nothing about it. You know, uh, I know the I know the cops had to arrest 80 hippies. <laughs> I know that those, oh, those lo hippies. low life agitators. Right. They had to be arrested. I know that. But that's all I know. I don't know stuff like little details like, uh, you know, what the point of their protest was, what they want, what their if their concerns are legitimate. You know, details like uh, what does it mean? Could have been about Vietnam for all we know, right? I would love to see how NBC would cover, you know, like uh, uh, like 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 a report from NBC in 1932. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, there uh, people seem to be moving into shanty towns in the park, calling them Hoovervilles. Well, <laughs> no bigger story there. Let's back to you, Brian. <laughs> We need a uh, young General Eisenhower come in with his tanks, like he did the uh, the bonus marchers in uh, Washington. Remember that? No, you weren't around. No. But it was in the twenties. Really? The bonus marchers? Yeah, the uh, uh, World War One veterans. World War One vets. Yeah, they were protesting. They wanted their bonuses early because uh, it was actually in the middle of the depression. I think. Oh, yeah, that was the middle of the depression. Yeah, yes. and uh, you know Eisenhower brought in his tanks and Eisenhower Patton. during. Yeah, uh, Eisenhower was there and Patton, I believe. Really? Yeah. They brought in the tanks to go against the veterans. Yeah, they just ran right through the uh, the shanty town full of vets. Really? Yeah. The war was over, so it didn't matter. We didn't need yeah. them. Ah. They, were, they were practicing for World War II. That was. Uh, I cannot believe a proud moment in American history like that is not common knowledge. In the first of all, I love that he says that the the arrest of eighty people got the attention of a lot of people. Yeah, you know, like us, the news organization that seemingly don't know the largest, most sustained act of American civil disobedience in decades is happening just a few blocks from my office. But we never know it by watching my news reports. But once there was some good B-roll of hippies getting brutalized, they were all over it. They were down there. That's all it took. And, uh, you know, when you hear journalists say stuff like a lot of people or people are saying or the word on the street is... Uh, those sort of vagaries are what let you know that they're doing a totally awesome job at reporting. <laughs> <laughs> they made it seem about, should they be in the park, should they be in the street, like these people who had, oh, it's a nice day, why don't we go march in the street? Like, why? Nobody knows. Yeah, uh, you know, a teabagger uh, steps off a curb and twists his ankle. 
I got six camera crews on <laughs> right. Right. down there. Hey, I think it. I think an SEIU thug pushed a guy off a curb. A detailed <laughs> position paper of everything that they care about. Uh, like it's the tea party. Yeah, that's the, the mistake these guys made was not putting out a press release. That's all they would have to do. And the weird and NBC would pick it up. And the weird thing is, well, you know, I don't know about that, but the weird thing is, uh, the news people will pretty much point a mic at anybody who, with an opinion or a pulse or without a pulse, they they interview Dick Cheney all the time. And um, <laughs> but weird in that report, not one soundbite from a protester. Not yeah. one soundbite yeah. from a police officer or a witness mm. or even interviewing an investment banker. Nobody. Not not, yeah. not one in – I guess nobody wanted to talk, especially the protesters, huh? <laughs> Did you They're read, in jail. <laughs> Did you read the New York Times hit piece on the protest? Uh, no, go ahead. Well, no, I didn't. Basically, it just described the protest as a big uh, – Group of disparate uh, nutcases, a mob, a mob, right. Right. people, all kinds of you know, people coming in just to, to be heard about their own little crappy causes, and it was you know nobody even knew what they were doing there, basically, according to the New York Times. Well, it was wow. so, well, who wrote who wrote the article? Our Andrew Breitbart? Like it was I anarchy? Oh no, it was, it was anarchy, and there was no there's no point to it. You know, yeah. the, I don't think that's entirely inaccurate, but that's not. The point. <laughs> the point is, is that there there is an ethos that where where people without a central leadership all showed up in one place because they're all feeling the same, roughly the same thing. That should be telling right. everybody. Well, okay. something. Right. I agree a hundred percent with you. Let me let me uh, let me just sum up. Uh, hundreds of people with more on the way from all over the country with no central leadership, and despite what NBC says, they seem to have no single message or goal except to lay their fury at the feet of the financial community that caused the financial meltdown, the same financial community that is doing nothing to fix the suffering they created, and a financial community that remains without any regulations that might prevent this from happening again, which means it will happen again. So that took me about 30 seconds. <laughs> and that's all Brian Williams had to say, but he'll never say any of that stuff, ever. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able. As anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Case in point, another one of these stories that was in my little to-do topic file that I found this morning had to do with something and that's so recent, by the way, it's still unfolding. So pardon me if this story isn't quite correct by the time you get this show. Here's where it stands now, though. There was a stock trader or a guy who purported to be a stock trader who did an interview uh, with the BBC the other day, and apparently some of the BBC people in the studio were shocked by it, but the purported stock trader basically said and i'm going to quote him kind of out of context probably but he basically said that the world economy is going to go to hell 
and no one's going to fix it, and no one's going to fix it because none of these countries are really in charge or calling the shots. Goldman Sachs is in charge and calling the shots, and they don't want this, so it's not going to happen. Goldman Sachs runs the world. Now, since that time, some have made charges that this guy might be one of um, a group of hoaxers and pranksters called the Yes Men. When last I checked on the story, that's being doubted a little bit, but it's still possible. But if the guy is real, there's some interesting thoughts about that. The first one is trying to figure out if he meant Goldman Sachs, that one specific banking financial entity, or if he means Goldman Sachs and the other entities like them. That wasn't clear. But let's just pretend for the sake of argument that the truth of the matter here is that it's Goldman Sachs alone. And that it doesn't matter what nations do because Goldman Sachs will enforce what they want on these nations, right? So it doesn't matter what voters in the United States want because the country's government is powerless to enact any change in the rules if Goldman Sachs doesn't want them, right? Goldman Sachs runs the world. That's the truth. Okay. If we all woke up the next morning and believed this, you know, if you walk out the morning that this news breaks and it's, you know, nobody's even denying it and everybody left, right, center, intellectuals, people on the street, everybody's talking about it. I mean, do you walk out your door that morning in your bathrobe and just sort of go out in the middle of the street and gather with your neighbors and say, what are we going to do now? I mean, the thought that popped into my head, I guess, since we were thinking 9-11 anyway, was of the people, and I don't want a thousand emails saying this didn't really happen. There was no plane. There was a missile. I don't want to go there. But let's, you know, the story that's so accepted about the one plane that never hit anything but the ground in Pennsylvania that was supposedly rushed by the passengers who, you know, kind of in a suicidal attempt to either take it over or, um, you know, keep it from hitting its terror target. You sit there and you wonder at what point those people went from understanding the truth of the situation to acting on it. You know, who stood up first? Who looked at who with some sort of knowing glance? I mean, how did that situation go from concept to action? From realization of what was going on to an attempt to influence what was going on? To me, that's the interesting crux of the issue. That's the important fault line. How do you cross that threshold? concept to action. I used to think that all you needed to do was break on through this truth barrier and the situation would solve itself. But if we woke up tomorrow morning to the news, Goldman Sachs runs the world, what are you going to do about that? You're going to have a little lunch and then call your congressman and say, I don't like the fact that Goldman Sachs runs the world. Do something about that. This is the key. When you start to realize if reality was like A... And A was terrible and worrisome and shocking. What would you do about it? Even if you agreed with all your neighbors, what would you do about it? One week after we all agree Goldman Sachs runs the world, what's happened? Does the government go and take on Goldman Sachs because enough of us called our congressman? I mean, this is where I'm starting to get stuck on this idea of, you know, the fault line between truth, acknowledgement of the truth, and then acting on that information. I don't see the acting coming. And I'm not sure it would come even in the most extreme situations, namely, you know, the news breaking that we weren't really in charge tomorrow morning. Now, this brings me to the protests going on right now over on Wall Street. And several of you emailed me and said, Jan, you're going to talk about the Wall Street protests? I watched a little of the, of the coverage of these 
the small group of people um, protesting outside Wall Street. And I tried to read, you know, what they want. And there's sort of a manifesto kind of idea about how the greed of Wall Street and all that is is, is steamrolling regular people and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's an old and um, understood sort of critique. There are people in the 1920s who would have understood it, too. And I watched this little protest, and then this morning there was news that some of the other cities around the country ha were having, like, sympathy protests and whatnot. But again, tiny little groups of people. I mean, you go back to the late 60s, and you could get 300,000, 400,000 people at these massive protests that just shook the country. And, you know, you get 80 or 100 or 200. I don't know what it is in, in Washington, but part of the problem is when you look at it, you just go, it's a few people. What's going on there? And if you're the guys in Wall Street, for example, if you're Goldman Sachs and you run the world, that doesn't scare you. As a matter of fact, you look at it and you think, <laughs> maybe that even maybe that even just makes the whole thing look even that much sillier, right? Um, yeah, show more coverage of those people. Show how pathetic and small it is and how little they can do and how a bunch of ragtag people chanting slogans. Just show that. Great. That'll dissuade any more people coming out. There was one of these um, kinds of protests in my own neck of the woods the other day, and I'm passing by the local courthouse and there's like three people holding signs saying we want peace and i honked my horn thinking these people have given up their day to go out there and make a statement and look at just those poor three people it looks pathetic it looks like that's all you can muster nothing more depressing than that but i thought to myself what if those wall street protesters had company what if they made a phone call and i think they'd probably have to be the ones who made the phone call to the Tea Party people. And by the way, I do not mean the people that the Koch brothers are backing. I don't mean these people that have been co-opted as an arm of the Republican Party. You may remember when this whole Tea Party thing started, there was a large contingent of people who did not fit our current concept of the Tea Party group and who quickly sort of dropped away once it was co-opted. A lot of libertarians in that group, by the way. Um, call those people up. And say, look, I know we don't agree on much. And I know our concept for what kind of a country we want is different. But the only way we're going to be scary to the people you know, that we need to scare, and the only way we're going to be a force that politicians and pundits and you know, the political class needs to pay attention to, is if we you know, drop the division and start working together. We can fight about the specifics later. Can we all agree that we're not running the country? I mean, if Goldman Sachs were running the country like that, you know, Wall Street purported, Wall Street guy said, wouldn't you have to make common cause with the rest of the citizens in the country and just say, look, we'll fight later. We can't let Goldman Sachs run the country. Don't we all think that the country needs to be run by the voters of the country? Is there anybody who doesn't think? Let's just take anyone who thinks that the voters of the country shouldn't be running the show outside the debate. Those people are not on our side. But anybody who thinks that the voters of the USA should be running the show, that's something that can unite us right there. There's change that can be made on that basis alone, if we could just agree on that. There are people who keep us divided, folks, on purpose. They do it professionally. Turn on your television. They have a guy from the right and a guy from the left, or a gal from the right and a gal from the left, and they sit there and eviscerate each other. And while they do that, they essentially cast some sort of aspersions upon the whole groups of Americans that think that that person they're talking to is correct. 
and we rip another hole in the fabric of the country. We divide the population further at a time when we're all suffering together. The doomsday device, you know, for Goldman Sachs, if they were running the world, would be us all dropping our little differences for now and deciding that we can talk after we get rid of Goldman Sachs. Unity is the scariest thing to some segments of our society out there, political unity. And I would say it's an actual way to identify the agencies that we, the people, should be afraid of. They're the ones who would think that unity amongst Tea Party members and Wall Street protesters is the scariest thing that they can think of. Those people are the ones we need to get a handle on, whoever they are. The big banking company, um, Citigroup, several years ago, and many of you are already aware of this, put out an interesting internal memo, since pulled from the internet, but there are copies floating around, talking to insiders about how the United States has become what they called a plutonomy. I thought plutocracy was supposed to be the word, but they called it a plutonomy. And the internal memo was geared towards, you know, how you deal with this new reality if you're Citigroup. You know, how do you invest around it? How do you maximize your returns? And blah, 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 blah. But folks, a plutonomy or a plutocracy obviously means a country ruled by a wealthy class of super, you know, wealthy people. If that's true, if we live in a plutonomy or a plutocracy, isn't that something that would be just as upsetting to Tea Party protesters as Wall Street protesters? If you woke up this morning and Goldman Sachs were running the place, wouldn't you, you know, need to make common cause with your citizens to fight that reality? Well, what if it's not Goldman Sachs? What if it's Citigroup's idea of a plutocracy or plutonomy? Don't we have a vested interest in not destroying that? This is where I think a lot of the problem lies. People think we have to smash it. If you're one of these Wall Street protests, you don't have to smash it. The rich provide the engine that keeps a lot of the, you know, modern rich world going. But they need to be, you know, subject to the control of the citizenry, not the other way around. We don't want to be a country ruled by the rich and powerful. We want to be a country ruled by the people who has a large, functioning, healthy, you know, rich and powerful you know, segment to it. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Given the relentless promotion and support of the Tea Party protests of 2009 and 2010, you would think that Fox News would be interested in promoting the recent Occupy Wall Street protests that have sprung up across the country. Well, you would be wrong. Clearly, I would think these folks are deluded in a lot of ways and probably provide the best argument for national service for 18-year-olds that we have ever seen um, in this country. I think if you put every single left-wing cause into a blender and hit power, this is the sludge you'd get. And it's basically anti-capitalism, and they want to redistribute the wealth. They make up a slogan or a cause as they go along, and they're just looking to like go out there, dirty the streets, and they really don't have any like idea about what they're doing there. That's not very fair and balanced of them, is it? And Jolly Mullaney, a reporter of the New York Daily News, has tweeted at this hour that police are indeed pepper spraying and arresting Occupy Wall Street protesters on Wall Street. 
Uh, additionally, I can see protesters in kettled area on Wall and Broadway doing jazz hands in air. Uh, additionally, we had told you earlier from Ryan Devereaux of Democracy Now!, who's on the program earlier in the week, that he reports from Broadway and Wall Street. Protesters attempted to enter the Wall Street area after the uh, basically 12-block march from Foley Square back to Zuccotti Park via City Hall. Uh, that police pushed back. Fights ensued. Random pepper spraying into that crowd that tried to occupy Wall Street, literally to get onto Wall Street. Uh, police on horseback came out. More police showed up. Arrests were made. And Ryan Devereaux said he personally saw at least 20 people arrested. Obviously, nothing close to the 700 at Brooklyn Bridge on Saturday, but uh, barricades were knocked down. And so, after an extraordinarily peaceful and accomplished-filled day for the Occupy Wall Street protesters, as night falls in New York, it's an entirely different scene, and we're going to continue to provide you with details as they come into us here at the uh, control desk. For the whole of the time that the Occupy Wall Street protesters have been making their case for a sea change in the way we Americans permit big business to draw and quarter and circumscribe our lives, media too corrupt or too dense to understand anything more complicated than whether the blonde is missing or the verdict is guilty, have parroted what do they want, what is their catchphrase. In our third story, it is not a catchphrase, but it is a declaration of what they want that the document, which I will read in full in a moment, is not a list of laws to be repealed nor politicians to be elected, may only confuse the precocious ninth graders now passing for TV anchor newsmen these days. But the absence of the kind of painted footsteps with which they used to mark the floors of dance instruction studios is, in a way, breathtaking. The two-by-four that Errol Lewis described. It implies that there is so much to change, that such a tipping point has been reached, that some easy-to-apply band-aids just are not going to be enough. And it implies that the commentators and politicians and moneyed interests that do not come to understand the scope of what must change will be without influence and without power before they realize that the change has happened. So with that as preamble, here is formally and finally what Occupy Wall Street says and wants. It is, in essence, their special comment. As we gather together in solidarity to express a feeling of mass injustice, we must not lose sight of what brought us together. We write so that all people who feel wronged by the corporate forces of the world can know that we are your allies. As one people, united, we acknowledge the reality that the future of the human race requires the cooperation of its members, that our system must protect our rights, and upon corruption of that system, it is up to the individuals to protect their own rights and those of their neighbors, that the democratic government derives its just power from the people. But corporations do not seek consent to extract wealth from the people and the earth, and that no true democracy is attainable when the process is determined by economic power. We come to you at a time when corporations, which place profit over people, self-interest over justice, and oppression over equality, run our governments. We have peaceably assembled here, as is our right, to let these facts be known. They have taken our houses through an illegal foreclosure process, despite not having the original mortgage. They have taken bailouts from taxpayers with impunity and continue to give executives exorbitant bonuses. They have perpetuated inequality and discrimination in workplaces based on age, the color of one's skin, sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. They have poisoned the food supply through negligence and undermined the farming system through monopolization. 
They have profited off the torture, confinement, and cruel treatment of countless animals and actively hide these practices. They have continuously sought to strip employees of the right to negotiate for better pay and safer working conditions. They have held students hostage with tens of thousands of dollars of debt on education, which is itself a human right. They have consistently outsourced labor and used that outsourcing as leverage to cut workers' health care and pay. They have influenced the courts to achieve the same rights as people with none of the culpability or responsibility. They have spent millions of dollars on legal teams that look for ways to get them out of contracts in regards to health insurance. They have sold our privacy as a commodity. They have used the military and police force to prevent freedom of the press. They have deliberately declined to recall faulty products, endangering lives in pursuit of profit. They determine economic policy, despite the catastrophic failures their policies have produced and continue to produce. They have donated large sums of money to politicians who are responsible for regulating them. They continue to block alternate forms of energy to keep us dependent on oil. They continue to block generic forms of medicine that could save people's lives or provide relief in order to protect investments that have already turned to substantial profit. They have purposely covered up oil spills, accidents, faulty bookkeeping, and inactive ingredients in pursuit of profit. They purposefully kept people misinformed and fearful through their control of the media. They have accepted private contracts to murder prisoners, even when presented with serious doubts about their guilt. They have perpetuated colonialism at home and abroad. They have participated in the torture and murder of innocent civilians overseas. They continue to create weapons of mass destruction in order to receive government contracts. To the people of the world, we, the New York City General Assembly, occupying Wall Street in Liberty Square, urge you to assert your power, exercise your right to peaceably assemble, occupy public space, create a process to address the problems we face, and generate solutions accessible to everyone. To all communities that take action and form groups in the spirit of direct democracy, we offer support, documentation, and all the resources at our disposal. Join us and make your voices heard. The statement issued from Zuccotti Park by the General Assembly at Occupy Wall Street. Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. The battle outside region. All right, so let me get to this story by uh, the Daily News op-ed. 
Not signed by anybody. Anything that might convince the precious insufferables who have taken over Wall Street that they have had enough of exercising their First Amendment rights to the inconvenience of tens of thousands of people who actually have to work for a living. This bunch ought to get down on their knees and thanks that America's capitalist founding fathers sought fit to pr uh, protect the privileges. The privileges. It's not a right anymore. Remember, it was all about the Constitution yesterday, but today it's a privilege of the dumb and obnoxious along with everyone else. If the NYPD has made any tactical error in this episode, it was being too tolerant. Police also closed major intersection to traffic, forcing pedestrians to take the long way around. Further, and this is horrible, this is going to... Folks, if you have children, again, please cover their ears. Further, the cops cordoned off the statute of the Wall Street Bull, depriving tourists of up-close and personal inspections. <laughs> For those who want an up-close... Are you effing kidding me? <laughs> For those who want an up-close look at the bull's balls, I'm sorry, you're going to have to defer Give to another day. Give me a break day. here. Unbelievable. Amid arrest, that senior officer was photographed applying, applying pepper spray in a video that is being held up as evidence of a human rights violation, worthy of a trial at the International Criminal Court. It is, in, it is conceivable that he could have kept his spray holstered. Then again, he was surrounded by chaos. No, in fact, he was not surrounded by chaos because there was a huge orange netting between him and all the protesters. And by all the protesters, I mean those half dozen women that were corralled. The right to free speech comes with responsibilities. It does not encompass a right to do just whatever you want, whenever you want, as these juveniles may one day learn. Now, Glenn Greenwald has a great piece on what's behind the scorn for these protests. He said, it's the nature of protests that take place outside of approved channels, an inevitable byproduct of disruptive dissent. Those who are most vested in safeguarding and legitimizing establishment prerogatives which by definition includes establishment media outlets, are going to be hostile to those challenges. As the virtually universal disdain in these same circles for WikiLeaks, and before that the Iraq war protest de demonstrated, the more effectively, effectively adversarial it is, the more establishment hostility it's going to provoke. Much of most of the scornful criticism have come from Democratic partisans who, like the politicians to whom they devote their fealty, feign populist opposition to Wall Street for political gain. A significant aspect of this progressive disdain is grounded in the belief that the only valid form of political activism is support for Democratic Party candidates and a corresponding desire to undermine anything that distracts from that goal. Indeed, the loyalists of both parties have an interest in marginalizing anything that might serve as a vehicle for activism outside the fealty to one of two parties. I can tell you, the best instrument, in my estimation, to get the Democratic Party to do anything, or I should say one of, I think there's value in taking over local Democratic Party apparati. But I also think protests like this are extraordinarily helpful. The very idea that one can effectively battle Wall Street's corruption and control by working for the Democratic Party is absurd on its face. And I think that's a fairly valid point. 
I'm not sure it's mutually exclusive. But certainly if you exclusively work on behalf of the Democratic Party as the only means in which to deal with the uh, corruption that emanates from Wall Street, I think you're going to be out of luck. Much of this progressive criticism consists of relatively, ostensibly well-intentioned, tactical and organizational critiques of the protest. There wasn't a clear, unified message. It lacked a coherent media strategy. The neo-hippie participants were too off-putting to middle America. The resulting police brutality overwhelmed the message, etc., etc. That's the high-minded form from which most progressive scorn for the protests took. It's just not professionally organized or effective. Some of these critiques are ludicrous. Does anyone really not know what the basic message of the protest? I think it's fairly self-evident. Again, it's called Occupy Wall Street, not Occupy Central Park, not Occupy the Natural Museum of History, not Occupy Union Station, I guess which would be in D.C. or Worcester, Massachusetts. Dismissing these incipient protests because they lack a fully developed, sophisticated professionalization is akin to pronouncing a three-year-old child worthless because he can't read Schopenhauer. I even think that analogy is wrong. I actually think there is value in just the fact that they are exemplifying that there is anger. Anger that is so deep that people are willing to... You put their physical well-being in peril, sleeping out on the streets, risking pepper spray or dislocated shoulders or a beating from a cop or getting arrested or quitting their jobs or cutting back on their freelance work. What that shows, and what the message is, is that there is commitment to the anger. And the idea that they are not professionally organized should be, in fact, a value added, as the corporatists would say, to their protests. They are not funded by the Koch brothers, the AFP. They're not funded by these large institutional organizations. In fact, it's only today. And last night, uh, some of the protesters went and joined a protest by the postal workers. We've talked about what's going on with the post office on this program in the past. But I believe today there is now local union support that's showing up and perhaps some national unions showing up. They are drawing people to them, despite the fact that they don't have a sophisticated, although it is certainly becoming more sophisticated, media center that is feeding stories to the media. It's a great piece. You should go on to, uh, to read the whole thing. But it's clear that we see both scorn from the professional media managers on the left, scorn from the establishment media in general, 
and certainly more intimidation tactics uh, to cause a certain amount of pain for those people who are willing to do this. Naomi Klein posts a letter, an open letter from Arun Gupta. He is the um, editor of The Independent. She says, if I were in New York, she's braced in, uh, she's in uh, Canada, I would certainly be spending time at the Wall Street occupation. I urge those of you who live in the area to go in person to Liberty Park and check it out. Keep in mind any attempt to create a genuinely open space to share political ideas is necessarily going to be chaotic and at times embarrassing. Yes! Yes, there are people down there who are uh, dressed funny or playing drums or at least, you know, I'm a very conservative dresser. If it's not checked, if there's not a uh, check pattern, nine times out of ten, I won't wear it. Even when I go on, even when I go on uh, some of these, um, you know, uh, news shows, I get, "Well, you dress like a like a Republican." I, don't know, I just I grew up in Worcester. I, you know, there was one place where you know I bought my uh, clothes. That was it. You know, shacks, I think it was called. But she writes, but Gupta's point is a crucial one. This is not the time to be looking for ways to dismiss a nascent movement against the power of capital, but to do the opposite, to find ways to embrace it, support it, and help it grow to its enormous potential. With so much at stake, cynicism is a luxury we simply cannot afford. And b believe me, I am a cynical guy but Gupta goes on to write to be fair the scene in Liberty Plaza seems messy and chaotic but it's also a laboratory of possibility and that's the beauty of democracy as opposed to our monoculture world where political uh, life is flipping a lever every four years social life is being a consumer and economic life is being a timid cog the Wall Street occupation is creating a polyculture of ideas expression and art yet while many People support the occupation, they hesitate to fully join in and are quick to offer criticism. It's clear that the biggest obstacles to building a powerful movement are not the police or capital, it's our own cynicism and despair. Hey, look, do I think it would help if every person down there was wearing a sport coat and a collared shirt and a tie? Yeah, probably. But... I also think that if someone was inclined to wear that, they would be much less inclined to sleep out every night. Because, hey, you'd ruined it uh, after a couple of days and it would look like crap. Uh, but, B, that's just not the way people roll. From my perspective, I'm a clean for Gene guy. That's why I dress like I do when I go on. Part of it is also probably just sort of my performance art background. I want to fuck with people's expectations. I am much more conscious of the average person having done, uh, been an actor and a performer for years of being sensitive to audience preconception. And frankly, I don't care. Look at the way I dress. It's not a mode of self-expression for me. My mode of self-expression is actually to go on and talk for an hour and a half every day and to get into other outlets to talk. Not everybody has those faculties. 
I barely have those faculties. But I have a healthy dose of uh, denial to the extent that I have limitations in that respect. So, yes, it would be wonderful if everybody down there um, dressed like, uh, like Tucker Carlson and walked around and... Um, but the same reasons why many of those people don't is the same reason why it exists. It's very easy to be cynical about it. It's much harder to find those elements down there that impress you, that you can relate to, uh, that can inspire you. And, and that's the reason basically why I went down there was to offer a bunch of different voices, some of whom may make sense to you, some of them won't. But hopefully one or two or three or four or more of those people will have said something that will resonate with you and will inspire you to go out, whether it's in Boston or Chicago or L.A., or whether you live in New York, or whether you do it in some fashion online, whether you pass on a video, whether you make a defense of these people to uh, your friends, but it will in some way get you involved in it. Because I can assure you, if it grows, the benefits will also grow exponentially. They may or may not be there in three weeks, uh, in three months, in three years. Nothing could directly come out of this except for a greater awareness that there is a sense of injustice except for the next movement that comes out of it. You know, I've used this analogy before. Air America could not have existed but for a crazy person. But it also very well may have sealed its fate that it was founded by a, a crazy person who was a con man. But many good things came out of Air America. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. On Fox & Friends, Brian Kilmeade claimed that unlike the current Wall Street protests, the Tea Party's origins were, quote, organic. The big question is Occupy Wall Street and Tea Party. They're actually equating the two. Uh, one is a, was an organic movement that started across this country without any one definitive leader that just talked about getting spending in order. Or Occupy Wall Street, you can't get a definition of what they stand for. But as Media Matters has noted, the Tea Party protests were launched by GOP consultants and were heavily promoted by Fox News Channel. And now starting this weekend, by the way, the Tea Party Express Tour kicks off where Americans from all over the country, they're going to hit the streets to voice their grievances over government spending and, of course, universal government health care. Well, we want to let folks know you're going to be making yes. 34, 35 stops, I believe it is, all across the country. So if they want to come out and take part, they certainly uh, can be a part of what you're doing. Yeah.
Michael noted one major change since the movement began. It's good to see the media has finally shown up. Yeah, unfortunately, it was CNN. He told protesters this was just the beginning of something big. All great movements start with just a few people. Whether it was the few people that were in the bar, the Stonewall bar, down in the village. That was a smaller crowd than this. And look what that's led to. Everyone will remember. Three months from now. Six months from now. A hundred years from now. That you came down. And you started this movement. It is such a wonderful experience to be there. Uh, the people are kind. The people are good to each other. Mm -hmm. um, they are attempting um, a form of democracy uh, where there isn't <clears throat> like one leader that's telling them what to do, and then they're supposed to follow along. Right. But but everybody you know gets to sort of have their say, and it's it's. It's it's interesting to watch. It's great to. Uh, I've been down there three times now, and um, I've uh, I've been really impressed with what I've seen. How much do the protesters owe the NYPD, <laughs> given that there's not been you know, there has not been any uh, apparently serious injuries as, as a result of this? Obviously, the thing could turn overnight. That could be the dumbest question in the world. But right, right. now, the NYPD made this into. Uh, certainly a local story, and New York being the media capital of the world, anything that's a local story in New York gets some sort of attention nationally. You can see, though, uh, having, again, having been down there and having been part of this, mm -hmm. when you say the NYPD, the grunts, the actual uh, uh, right. patrol officers, the, uh, the street, the guys that you and I know that we deal mm -hmm. with, and you've worked in many cities. This is actually one of the better cities when it comes to the average police officer yes, uh, uh, treating you well and doing well, and it's, you know, and you have your bad apples, definitely, but what you have here is management of the NYPD, the white shirts, and, and Ray Kelly and these guys that are really the ones down there uh, itching for a fight. Mm -hmm. And you can see that a lot of the, 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 the patrol cops are like, what's going on? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and, and they're, they're you know, it's, it, um, I got to believe that they have overplayed their hand here. They've made a huge mistake. And, and, fr and frankly, it was great news today when the uh, the bus drivers right. of New York City said they will not go to another one of these demonstrations because they were told to bring buses there to take the protesters mm -hmm. away when they were arrested. They will not take protesters away in buses any longer, these union guys and women. And I think that's uh, that's really a good thing. In fact, in fact, I personally would like to, would like to, I'll rent the truck or the bus to take away the white shirts of the NYPD right. yes. <laughs> next time they do something. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you might be able to get the, since the Transit Workers Union came out to side with the Occupy Wall Street crowd last week. That was a, an inadvertent. I mean, nobody could have forecast 700 arrests. It was an inadvertent yes. value to that to that association. But now, one thing I keep keep hearing a lot of complaints about the lack of specificity. And Jeff Madrick just pointed out that it, that it's uh, that it re sort of represents the organic nature of this. But but the origination point here is to me on this. Never has anything in the history of mankind gotten better without somebody first standing up and going, this is wrong. 
I don't know how to fix this. If I knew how to fix it, I'd be fixing it. But I know this is wrong. That's the, is that what's happening in this, do you think? Yes, and that's enough right now. Mm -hmm. That's enough just for people to say, I'm sick and tired. I've had enough. I'm coming down with other, I'm going to participate with other people in this. Uh, the, the, the demands, are, that will come. That will evolve. But, but the people who are complaining about this, mm -hmm. uh, even some in the liberal uh, press Certainly. have complained about this. And I just, they, they, frankly, they, they sound like our parents. Our parents, when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. A bunch <laughs> of noise. What? I can't understand any of those words. <laughs> why, don't they, why don't they play something you can dance slow to? It's, I mean, it's <laughs> like, because they're, because first of all, yes, the majority of them who started this are young people. Yeah, right, right, but right. I want them out. These young people. These young people, I don't. You, did you? You went to Cornell. Yeah. I mean, you grew up here though in New York. Yeah. The, remember the SUNY system? Absolutely. You could go to school for practically nothing. Yep. Uh, you could go to the UC system out in California. You could go to Cornell for practically nothing because of a, a, a branch of, of SUNY being connected was, to that. That's right. That's a, that's a land grant. Exactly. So, so that's what we grew up with. Mm -hmm. These kids are being told at 22, you've got to go out into the real world with a crushing debt. Right, your mortgage. 40, 60, 80,000 right. dollars. Right, you got a mortgage debt. at 18 and you didn't even get a house for it. That's right. So, yep. they believe their future has been stolen from them and that's why they're there and God bless them for being there. All right, is this a new force in the political equation that we have or is this something external to our political equation? I don't I don't think actually it's either. I think it actually is where the majority of Americans are at. Mm -hmm. um, they, those people down there represent really where the majority, 72% of the country now, uh, all the polls are showing right. that over 70% want the rich to be taxed. Uh, 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 they want uh, regulations put on Wall Street. They want those who committed crimes on Wall Street arrested. That's where the majority, the mainstream of this country is actually where these kids and these other people are at down there uh, in, in lower Manhattan. So frankly, I just think they're the, they're just the first ones. Somebody it had to start somewhere. It, it uh, you know somebody had to burn the first bra. I mean there had to, I mean and always at first when a new movement starts, the people who are the ones who are out there, you know, get attacked. Oh right. look! Oh look at that! You it's know, a, it's a bunch but, of noise. But 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 you know, but even though that happens, the majority the majority of women, say for instance in the women's liberation movement, yeah. Felt, felt even back then that women should be paid the same as men, right. that women should have equal rights. So it, just, so it needed somebody to express it. Somebody's got to, to kickstart this thing, and it has been kickstarted here in lower Manhattan down there in uh, Zuccotti Park. Ever since 1792, when the stock traders who used to gather under the Buttonwood tree at the foot of what had been Deval Street in old New Amsterdam decided to move their business indoors, the Battle of Wall Street versus Main Street has been shorthand for the conflicts of the interests of people who make money by spectacles calculating it with those who earn money by working for it. As we continue our Occupy Wall Street coverage with Michael Moore and with tonight's third story, it's thus perhaps no surprise that the movement is now headed for Main Street. Demonstrators have marched and chanted in Boston, Chicago, Albuquerque, Raleigh, Los Angeles, L.A. Tonight, matter of fact, and Denver. Tomorrow it's Philadelphia, Thursday D.C. and a separate event in Houston. On the 15th, Phoenix and Pittsburgh. Also being planned, rallies in smaller cities, Santa Fe, Little Rock, Mason City, Iowa, Japan and Europe might be next. Michael, that's literally where it goes from here. That's right. Figuratively, where does it go from here, do you think, based on your experience and what you've seen in your three trips down there? Uh, I think that, um, that not only is this going to continue, these cities that you mentioned, um, this, is gonna, this is what's so wonderful about this. There really isn't anything driving this other than what, what Wall Street has done mm -hmm. and, what, and what those who are in charge of our economy have done. They weren't just happy enough with having 
multi-billions. They, they wanted tens and hundreds of billions, maybe even trillions, and so... Kleptomania, as you said. They're kleptomaniacs, is what they are. They're out, they're out of control. I think it really is a, some kind of a sociopathic mm -hmm. uh, illness, and, and they now want us to live in a kleptocracy, where the kleptomaniacs <laughs> run the show. This is going to spread... Um, I, I said this last week, I said it two weeks ago when I first spoke with you, mm -hmm. um, and the, the mainstream media was trying to just poo-poo this, oh, it's just a few down there, don't worry. Well, what happened on Saturday, not just here, but as you said, in Boston and mm -hmm. L.A. and Chicago and elsewhere. And now Wednesday, I just heard, is going to be National Student Walkout Day. This oh is going to start to organize on college campuses. Okay, great. This is going to dovetail with so many things, people who've lost their homes, the 50 million who don't have health insurance, mm -hmm. all the, diff the, dis the disparate groups of people who've been affected by the greed on Wall Street, they have had it. And I'll tell you, President Obama, he'd be smart right now to not just give another speech, but actually have his Justice Department either have a special prosecutor or an investigation and go after the people that stole this money. Mm -hmm. The people want a perp walk. They want That's to see people led away in handcuffs with a coat over that's the head. It, that's right. And uh, um, because that's, that's going to be some form of justice. It's not just about getting a bill passed in Congress now. It's not just about arresting one banker or the head of Goldman Sachs having to testify again. Uh, this is something much larger. We oppose the way our economy is structured. The economic system itself, at its core, is unfair, mm -hmm. it's not just, and it's not democratic. And we live in a democracy, and we have to have full democracy now, not just voting for politicians. So, oh, yeah, I live in a democracy because I get to vote. I, you, everybody else here wants a say in how this economy is run. We are affected by it in our daily lives, and people are not going to tolerate this anymore. All right. Uh, without a message, obviously, there's no movement. We, I think we agree this is organic. But there are lots of imperative messages that never go anywhere, for, for, for want of a better word, for lack of packaging, messaging, salesmanship, you're one of the few people who has a feel for both of these things, for the imperative message and the way to present it to people. Do you have advice to the Occupy crowd about, for want of that better term, packaging what they're doing from here on in? I think that what they're doing, <clears throat> and actually I'd rather listen to them, mm -hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather take their advice, because mm -hmm. I've been down there at their assemblies and I have heard some incredible things. Um, there are, they are concerned about the short-term goals, tax the rich, jail the bankers, um, 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 a, a moratorium on foreclosures so no one's thrown out of their home, reintroduce a real health care bill that covers everyone, truly covers everyone. These are, these are what should be the short-term goals. But the larger, long-term goal is these people, especially the young people, do, no, do not want to grow up, do not want to live in a society where the upper 1% owns everything, including our political system, mm -hmm. and the other 99% are supposed to scramble for the crumbs. They reject that system outright, and, and I, think that, I think what's going to come out of this is that, is that <clears throat> not that a new political party is going to form, but a movement that says we are the 99%. We are the country. We are part of, of not just this country, but the greater world that's being affected by this. We are the 99%. The 1% in a democracy do not call the shots.
Jake. This is Curtis from Baltimore calling with an activist call to action. If you have the ways and the means, try and get physically to New York City and join the occupiers at Occupy Wall Street. Uh, you can also attend an event in your area. You can look and see if there's one going on or start one yourself at OccupyTogether.org. If you can't make any of these events, you can also send money, send food deliveries, or supplies through uh, the Occupy Wall Street's General Assembly's website, and that is nycga.cc backslash donate. You can also feed the protesters through uh, foodnotbombs.net. They're supporting uh, protests in New York City and in Washington, D.C. Do what you can and keep fighting. Thanks. Hey, Jay, this is Jake from New York Alt News, and I'm just coming from Occupy Wall Street on Monday night. It was my second time here this week. And uh, you saw some real interesting things going on across the country where over a thousand occupies have popped up in uh, major cities and towns and localities everywhere. You also saw Europe and Canada, and increasingly we're seeing occupy the media. But I think this is where we need a lot more help. And the great thing is you don't have to leave your house. Um, we need people calling into radio shows and calling into TV stations and we need to um you know get the the other side of the story and and find out why they're not covering the other side of the story uh for so long you know we heard uh, mayor bloomberg chime in and herman cain about uh, what occupy wall street is all about but those guys are in the one percent i mean you have to be in it to understand what it's all about so there are radio shows right wing and left wing left wing that are dying to take calls from the protesters down at Occupy Wall Street where it all began. Um, I think I would encourage every every one of your listeners to do so and then report back. For example, I called a Wisconsin right wing radio host today and had a very civil conversation for about six or seven minutes where I asked him if he would ever take uh, a bet on Wall Street against Wisconsin. And he said no. And then I said, well, what if the Koch brothers bet against Wisconsin? Should that be legal? And he said, uh, well, as long as it was transparent, I guess. And then he directly started to attack the hygiene of the protesters, saying that they were pigs. And I was like, buddy, if you've ever seen St. Patrick's Day or the Puerto Rican Day Parade, after they're done, you see beer cans and vomit and rice and beans all over the place. So, you know, this is nothing, and if anything, it's raising money through tourism for all of the local businesses. <clears throat> anyway, Jay, I'll let you go, but keep up the great work, and if anybody wants to try and coalesce, um, just tweet using the OWS hashtag, and if you want to uh, hit me up on New York Alt News, um, we're looking for all kinds of people from New York State. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, Jay. This is Todd calling from Washington State, and I just listened to your show on the death penalty, and I just have a brief comment. I wanted to say something that hasn't been said enough, I think, which is we all are sick of the hypocrisy of the religious right, 
But the death penalty goes against the teaching of the Bible. Now, I'm no biblical scholar, and the right always claims the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I know that's Old Testament, and that Jesus' teachings supersede that. And so I think they need to be called out, and when it gets time for the general election, they need to be called out in their hypocrisy, as they do in everything else, because the religious right are the most hypocritical people on this, in this country. And that's all I have to say. Thanks for all the great work you do. Hi, Jay. It's Sharice from New York. Um, I just wanted to put something out there to the protesters for Occupy Wall Street. Uh, I'm reading a book now called The Rhetoric of Agitation and Control. It's by John Bowers, uh, Giovanna Ochis, and uh, Richard Jensen. I hope I said their names right. <laughs> uh, but it really talks about the genesis of social movements uh, and how the establishments fight back against valid causes, um, and you know, first by ignoring them and then being very dismissive, which we're seeing a lot of. Uh, so it's just like a textbook summary of what's going on um, with the protesters and how it's being taken in the media. So I encourage protesters and organizers, um, anybody who's just interested in the topic, to read it on how to stay strong and what to look out for, um, you know, during the course of the protests. Uh, again, the book is called The Rhetoric of Agitation and Control. Um, and I also want to urge people who can't go to the protests. I'm actually in New York, but I go to grad school and I I'm, I'm, have a full-time job, so I, I would love to go down there, but I can't. Um, but find other ways to participate. You know, go online, um, start up conversations with people, um, and really inform them that, you know, as to what's going on. Um, because protest is just the start, and we need everybody um, with all their talents to, to accomplish this goal. So, um, great show. I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, stay strong, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jay. It's Pamela from Virginia. Just left the Occupy Blacksburg um, Solidarity Rally. Uh, for Occupy Wall Street. It was amazing. We had some wonderful speakers, myself included. Um, and I really feel like we are on a roll. This thing is going somewhere and we just have to keep it moving. So I just wanted to let you know we are all out here. We're all doing the thing. And I can't wait for more to come. So see ya. Bye. Jay, it's Chuck in Salt Lake City. You know, liberals must be asleep. We listen to and complain about conservative media touting the merits of capitalism. Then our liberal elected officials go along with the whole government can't create jobs narrative by handing out renewable energy contracts to private businesses so that when those businesses go belly up, those same conservatives can rail on renewable energy as a failure. Wake up. Tell it like it is. We couldn't have brought power to millions of rural Americans by handing money to corporations. The government did it. And we're not going to drain the oil out of the veins of Americans with businesses, or at least not without some of them failing while fighting the good fight. Why aren't liberals pointing out the failure of capitalism to solve our problems? Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So every year, podcastawards.com holds, as you might even be able to deduce, uh, a podcast award. Uh, so this is uh, not has, this has not been relevant to me since 2009, the last time I uh, competed 
and won thanks to you guys. And uh, so since you can't win two years in a row, I wasn't involved in the 2010 event. And now it is uh, 2011. Best of the Left is nominated again, even though I didn't ask you guys to vote, which is amazing. So thank you for that. And um, But also a couple of friends of mine are, are nominated. Both uh, Citizen Radio and The Majority Report with Sam Cedar are, um, are both nominated. And so this is what I would have you do if you were to take my advice. Uh, first of all, don't vote for me. I would rather, you know, I've, I've already won once and I would rather not split the vote uh, with those guys because um, I would just, I would rather you vote for, for one of them. And uh, so officially I would remain neutral between uh, endorsing either Citizen Radio or the Majority Report. They are, uh, yeah, there's lots of crossover in the types of people who would enjoy both of those shows. And there's also a huge divide where uh, people who would enjoy one of those shows would not enjoy the other. Uh, so officially, I will remain neutral on that. And um, but what I will say is, I will go with the uh, you know the line of thinking that is not actually in the Bible, but is often misquoted as being there to say that you should help those who help themselves. And uh, those who are helping themselves are uh, the majority report. I've actually heard Sam talk about the podcast awards on the show and encouraged his listeners to go uh, nominate his show and get him in the listings. And that's resulted in, in him being nominated for the uh, political slash news category as well as people's choice. So if you um, are going to go vote, you know, I would say he probably has a better chance of winning because he's actually trying. And as far as I can tell, Citizen Radio may or may not even know that they're nominated. <laughs> so do with that information as you will. You can vote every day between now and October 27th. So uh, go ahead and do that. If you need a little bit of motivation, uh, I will say that um, the people who always win the politics and news category are uh, douchebag libertarians. And, you know, so if you can muster up a few votes to have a progressive show win instead of a libertarian show, you know, it's not a big deal. It would just be nice. So that's really all I had for you for today. I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Deborah G signed up for a leftist uh, monthly membership back on April 17th and has stuck with the show since then. And uh, Ernesto F signed up for a socialist membership back on uh, July 17th, but went ahead and signed up for a full year in advance. Uh, so huge thanks uh, for the, uh, you know, going a little bit above and beyond as well as, you know, supporting for the long term. So uh, Ernesto and Deborah and all the members and donors who, you know, keep the show going, I couldn't thank you guys enough. So I'll just keep trying and never achieve that goal. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the links to uh, individual clips that helps uh, spread the word of the show and progressive media in general. You can do that in, with really easy links to social media and email and all sorts of things in the show notes. You can stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white, you took apart a picture that wasn't right.